Uh, so uh, thank you so much. It was really, uh, it's really nice that you are a part of this conversation. Uh, without uh, further delay, uh, you know, I just want to begin our question by uh, understanding the uniqueness that is, you know, uh, uh, associated with uh, adoption of cloud lately. And then uh, uh, we have also seen businesses uh, adopting end-to-end -end protection versus end-to-end -end encryption. So among these two, which would you rather, uh, you know, prefer, which, is, which is the better solution, which is the better way forward? Well, I think I'll say all of the above, right? You know, the, right. we think about, you know, the, the cloud. I think one thing I always like to talk about is not a question of if people are going to the cloud, it's a question when they're going to the cloud. It's the future. And it's really how we really talk about of, of what's that transition look like because there are changes of doing things on premise versus in the cloud and their expectations are, are different. And they're also very, very positive. Uh, and, and that's one of the things for both protection you know, and encryption, right? They're they're pretty much becoming commodities, right? In a baseline in the cloud. Uh, so yeah, coming back to uh, you know, between end-to-end uh, -end protection and end-to-end -end encryption, uh, which is the better way forward? Well, in a general sense, I think the is how to have the end-to-end -end protection, but it's also the more complex, right? right. Is I think that the end-to-end encryption is just becoming kind of a standard things that you know from point to point encryption it's always going to be in place that who's not using https right to everything from an application or things like that who's not having encryption for their storage in the cloud what cloud provider doesn't provide encrypted storage so it's really that's just kind of a baseline capability but i think it's now looking forward is if everyone has encryption you know are you fully protected well encryption is not the only protection that you need so i think that's when you discuss end and protection that's actually more important got it got it nice to say uh so another thing and i think you you come across this question way often uh this is about uh you know hiring veterans you're a veteran yourself and then yes. you know, uh, I, I think I've worked in companies. I've met, uh, I've met uh, uh, people holding really senior positions and in, uh, in the industry uh, who are who have been veterans. So, uh, how do you, do you think veterans are uh, a better fit, or do you think uh, you know why do why do you think there is there is there has been this inclination towards veterans towards uh, hiring, especially in the in the domain of cyber security? I think this is a very interesting topic that I'm quite passionate about. Certainly, you know, as a veteran myself and many years ago, that how I was given an opportunity, you know, I served uh, in the service you know, voluntarily and I was given the opportunity to, to join afterwards. But looking at, you know, the benefit to, you know, many companies is, you know, veterans and certainly from, from many countries, but I'll see, I'm specifically spe speaking specifically to the U.S., is that, you know, veterans are a slice of society. It is a diverse and inclusive organization. You know, it's a slice of society, and that's important as a start. The next thing is that really is one of the fundamentals of the U.S. military is really the common values and principles, right? It's about integrity. It's about honesty, right? It's about attention to detail. It's about passion, right? It's about uh, ability to learn and adapt. And I think that you find that uh, many companies are now realizing that, especially in cybersecurity, but in many other places, is that they need people that have the passion to learn, the people that are hungry, the people that are dedicated, the people that are loyal. And the veterans with the other elements of you know, honesty, uh, integrity, uh, and passion, right, come into play. They're very, very strong hires. Even if they may not have the specific skill set you need on day one, they're used to always being tra uh, trained and learning on the, uh, on the go. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, so uh, uh, I think this is probably not a part of 
the question here uh, but uh coming coming to a couple of initiative that you you know you brought you brought up with oracle uh how 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 much of your you know your background with with the us navy and uh, you know your assistant uh, uh help you uh, you know make decisions and you know you know uh, initiate uh, new, new technologies here with oracle Well, I think one of the things that I always like to call out, you know, for both my service and, you know, and others is certainly, and certainly in cybersecurity, we're under pressure, right? And certainly things go fast, you're under fire drill. And it's really is that how you can have the poise, the calm, right? You know, the attention to detail to how do you operate under pressure, what under fire, if you will. And I think in high tech that happens very often. And I think that training is that how you operate and you use your muscle memory, you use your playbooks, you use your tools so that you can get through tough times. right when especially when there's stress or long hours in play and that's one that really you know jumps out you know strongly to me um that, so that's a good starting point actually right yeah okay uh, i think another uh, another thing that you have really been passionate about i think what you always talk about is uh, adoption of you know saas based commodity uh, security uh, you know uh, so from that point uh, do you think how much how much has saas really helped the industry over the uh, since since its adoption and uh, how do you feel uh, the industry has been progressing in this front I think it's been enormous uh, progress and I think it's really you know both as a consumer of it as well as a vendor of it right you know I think it's very positive what I mean by that is you know always uh, like using cybersecurity as an example is that you know today that you know people want their systems to always be online always available always updated always secure always protected and i think now if a lot of businesses is that do they have all the capabilities so that they're to ensure their systems are updated they're patched you know they're monitored 24 by 7 globally with the right experts can every small medium business have a cybersecurity expert can they have someone monitoring their systems 24 by 7 very very difficult and so are they really getting the value proposition you know from their applications they're running versus operating those or having those as a SaaS as a subscription who does have the global uh uh resources who does have the you know the expert you know uh experts in all the various areas and i think that's the transition that we all have to make just like some of us i know it's not it's not the best analogy but is myself is you know my car is like cars are getting more complicated am i the best person to try to make a repair or change the oil you know compared to things i could do it but the time and expertise i have and a cost is far more than it is to have the expert do it yeah okay that that's the most simplistic way anyone has ever put it but it's as to me ever okay uh, now uh, now i think uh, coming from saas to devsecops okay uh, you know several saas providers use devsecops to keep their applications you know up to date with for better functionality among several other benefits so as a as a company uh, or you know or wherever you are approaching vendors uh what 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 are the key factors that you think you know a company should uh, keep in mind whenever they are about to invest in a saas model uh, for uh, for security and uh, what is there a checklist that you think companies should have I think it's from a checklist is that I think you know DevSecOps sometimes it's a buzzword you know and other times really it's really about a model and a culture right, right. and I think most companies are op, uh, adopting it to a degree and part of it is that you know how you can really improve the overall life cycle in having things you know shifted left and earlier you know versus after the fact but the biggest thing I like to say and some people may 
be surprised, but I'm going to say, especially in SaaS or cloud environments, this is where audits and compliance come into play. Is so that you no longer have you know the hands-on. You own the box. You own the the system. You own the people that are managing it. So how do you know that it's really up to date, right? Through a DevSecOps model and culture. Well, honestly, this is the purpose of third-party audits. Third-party pen testing, third-party certifications, is that is really having the independent person that can provide you that confidence and trust that they are being performed the way you want them to be performed, and they need to be performed, and and that's something that is actually um, uh, is is actually the right thing to do. And even though people say security and audits never go together, but actually they do in this case. Okay, uh, so uh, uh, now that we are talking about uh, DevSecOps. Uh, how much of how much of a role has uh, frameworks and regulations here, especially you know, for the implementation of a uh, good uh, security architecture? Well, I think this is actually a a more complicated one, right? Certainly is. I think as you look at you know your, your major you know kind of audits certifications like you know FedRAMP and PCI and HIPAA, um, and then we have some other regional ones. I think there's when you have the major ones, there has a lot of overlap with those, right? And I think right. that if you try to add on each you know individual regional you know one, each you know individual province or state or territory that wants another one, and there's 90% overlap, right? Is that helping, right, or is uh, or or not, right? And I think that is like uh, other laws like we can see like uh, uh, EU digital signature laws we're saying every country wants their own law that has differences that doesn't work very well so I think it's how we focus on the most important and baseline ones uh, versus trying to create very nuances that basically just it creates bureaucracy and and, and no real value okay uh, now that we are on the topic uh, uh, how, how far do you think CMMC has come into play, uh, you know. Do you think organization are, is kind of you know taking uh, organizations are taking that seriously? Uh, do you think there has been a, a good amount of a, uh, activity around the fact that you know the implementation of CMMC has been taking place throughout uh, you know every every single defense vendor? I think the, it's a good question, and the I think we're seeing some good progress on that, right? But I think it's still kind of, if I use my my personal point of view, it's kind of still maturing to a degree, right? And I think that uh, um, we're seeing some progress and alignment on that. But it, I don't know if it's fully mature yet, like we see like other historical things like FIPS 140-2. Um, right. But uh, I think we're seeing the adoption and uptake on it. But I think it's going to take a little more time. Okay. So, do you think the adoption has been marred by probably a lot of bureaucratic issues, or there is still, you know, uh, the, the the one that you mentioned about a significant overlap among uh, among several other things that is all already missed, you know, and several other framework? Or do you think there is there is this attitude among companies that they will wait until the regulations are properly out? So, why is there? Why do you think there's really? I think that uh, I think there's an element of that. Certainly, I think there's two points or three points. You know, one is certainly uh, some people get overwhelmed by the number of new ones or things that are occurring in this time. The second element is really is sometimes being first, right, is not necessarily the benefit because when you're blazing the trail, you don't know the best path sometimes versus right. actually being a good follower or a quick follower, saying, seeing that well, who helped blaze the trail and learn from those, you know, and experiences, right. you know, and the third is you see the greater adoption and, and sometimes that last part is also you need people that are experienced in the area and sometimes you need to be have others do it first so then you can get some of their talent to help you 
got it got it got it okay uh i think another topic that we may we can touch base upon uh, again something that you always talk about again coming back to saas uh where is the future of saas headed right now what what are your what are the newest trends that you have witnessed probably uh post the covid era you know how has saas changed from across 2020 till now and how where is it headed to I think two things certainly as I mentioned before that I think that you know many many businesses are realizing that you know with talent shortage you know labor shortage you know supply chain shortage is actually maintaining things themselves right it you know compared to subscribing to you know uh, cloud services and saas services you know it makes much more sense now to to go to the cloud where they may have resisted in the past you know that's one the second thing now is i think what we're starting to see and uh something that we do it here at oracle is it's embedding in that more of the overall broader services are more integrated and included in those saas services versus being a a whole menu if you have to add a and b and c and d you know all on your service to have an end to end solution now versus it being you know one inclusive uh, purchase one inclusive service versus you know 10 different skews and so i think especially in security we're starting to see the trend of more and more things being embedded and integrated versus being separate add-ons that you have to add to to have a a secure solution in the cloud okay okay uh, lastly uh you know identity and access management has come along over the last couple of years uh, and i think uh, several several experts also call it the new paradigm now uh, but then even right now several organizations are still focusing uh, on preventive control so why do you think do you think the, the companies should change this approach and then uh, what is your uh, take on how access management and you know pam and all those kind of things are going to be uh, significant in, in the future I think they've always been significant but I think the important thing now is that is the maturity of the industry is that the the tools and the usability is improving enormously. If you think about, you know, 10-15 years ago saying a multi-factor for all these various apps, you know, multi-factor for email, multi-factor for, you know, application on the web, the usability, um the performance, the reliability is very very low. Now I think we've got much better tools, much better uh, integration, much better standards across all the vendors and competitors, right? Is making it much more ubiquitous and becoming a standard. And I think we're now getting to a, a place now that if everybody Uh, getting to a world that multi-factor is part of the overall culture it's the overall you know usability and the tools just work you know with that so i think that we're going to see that continued growth from that to more of the pam and pim you know capabilities in a standardized way but it's going to take time because there's still a lot of legacy applications but i think we are making great progress from from your perspective and from from the companies that you have been you know servicing to from among your clients how often do you think that there has been even now significant reliance on a legacy app that you know innovation has become a hindrance i think this is an overall continuing problem right we can go back to general industry is that you know why did many banks you know not have https or you know certificates on their websites you know is because well many people are using windows xp you know not even sps you know service pack 2 right and right. so they had to support that but we're seeing that a lot of businesses are still using these legacy applications that they only support tls 1.0 they don't support even 1.1 or 1.2 and i think this is actually holding back and so there are a lot of people 
people look at you know various uh, services and saying why you're not even running TLS 1.3 well because there's so many legacy apps in all these smaller businesses that don't have the capabilities or let's go to the dentist office right where they're running Windows XP and Java you know that has not been updated for 10 years is that really safe but do they also have the capability to update their medical systems and I think that's one of the ongoing problems in our industry right um... To, to touch base again, um, uh, I think uh, well, a lot. Uh, I think there is there is a saying: uh, most small business, small businesses, uh, you know, SMEs are are the biggest uh, targeted vectors of late. And added to that, uh, all the small businesses after an attack, you know, shuts down, shuts their shop within six months, cyber attack. Uh, so there is there is still a, a lot of lack of understanding there. So uh, how can probably you know how can how, what 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 is the what are the ways to empower? smaller companies yep. uh, what, what are the ways to you know uh, inculcate better cyber security awareness around them you know, great question. And certainly this kind of almost leads to a topic is that uh, next month I'm speaking at uh, Black Hat Middle East in Saudi Arabia next month. And one of the panels I'm going to be leading and moderating is about the retail in cybersecurity. And meaning by right. that, that, you know, is this the time that the small and medium businesses where they say, hey, they have their retail workstations or, you know, the medical you know, workstations or the, the dentist office is that is this now not the time to say move on from that and moving to, you know, SaaS, you know, cloud you know services you know to provide your retail services to provide your your imaging and your scheduling and your, your services because now i think say a large portion of the world not the entire world but a large portion of the world you know the internet connectivity the reliability connection to the cloud is is you know almost 100% reliable and so moving away from these legacy systems that aren't patched or at risk you know for all these factors to you know cloud based systems and i think that's really the kind of the the choice and push that we need to make with some of these smaller businesses Great, nicely said. All right, uh, thanks, thanks a lot, David. I think that's that's all I had. Do you have any closing notes that you want to talk about? Anything that you want to share? Well, thanks again, and certainly, you know, for the opportunity. I really appreciate, you know, the dialogue and opportunity. And really, certainly, as uh, the listeners out there, is certainly uh, in the U.S. base. If you do, if you're looking for new talent, you're looking for, you know, you have shortages. You know, look at the veteran community because I think they can bring a lot to the table that I think you'll highly value, and, and uh, kind of an honor of their service as well.